We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Rocker Room production. So people can kind of jump in here. They can pontificate. They can bloviate with me. Something I love to do. It's a lot of fun to talk about the New York Giants and what a productive week it was, the New York Giants. All righty, Lucas, let's bring you in. Dan's going to jump in here soon. Lucas, what's going on, my man? Not too much. Lots of news going on. Lots of news going on is right. Yeah, we got Dan in here right now. Dan, what's going on too, bro? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Oh, we're chilling, man. We're chilling. Lucas, what, you, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Kenny Galladay, Ifidio Denigbo? You want to talk about, I don't know, Dory Jackson? Take your pick. There is so much to talk about, but I just have uh, I have hot news off the press. Uh, I was listening to the uh, – with the Kyle Rudolph news, I was listening mm-hmm. to the Giant Insider podcast, and they said um, – Chris said that someone in the building said they uh, – like really uh, like Kyle Pitts going through their evaluation. Now every team is going to say they like Kyle Pitts, but like Chris said that uh, it was a very strong indication that they, they have him high. Um, what do you think that uh, that does to Evan Ingram's future, Kyle Rudolph with uh, the foot injury now and uh, just the whole draft and tight end situation? Yeah, the whole – Kyle Rudolph's foot injury thing just cropped up today. So none of the paperwork has been signed. So it's not necessarily 100% official. So that contract may not go through if he ends up failing the physical or needs any more additional surgeries. That's kind of in flux right now. It's hard to really give a take on that. But, I mean, as for Kyle Pitts, I think everybody is going to be super high on him because he's an incredibly talented individual. I honestly don't know if he's going to make it to 11, especially after he reportedly ran like a 4-4-6 or something like that, which is insane at his size. So I don't know if the Giants are even going to have that opportunity. As for Evan Ingram, I don't know how long he is for this roster to begin with. I'm kind of taking it year by year, and there's only one year left in his contract when it comes to Evan Ingram right now. So... That's kind of where I stand. We just got to kind of find out what the heck is going to happen with Kyle Rudolph. Is he going to be a New York Giant? Is he not going to be a New York Giant? That still remains to be seen. Yeah, and on my end, Lucas, there's nothing against Chris or Giant Insider or anyone like that, but I'm going to take everything I hear regarding Giants' interest or any team's interest or basically anything on these draft prospects with a massive grain of salt. I know for a fact there is a lot of misinformation coming out this time. Some of it is leaked you know, unintentionally. Other stuff is leaked purposely for a reason. I've read from other, and I've heard and read from other sources, the Giants are super interested in Devontae Smith. I've heard they're super interested in Patrick Sertan. 
So now that's three players who they're supposedly super interested in that are super high on their board, all coming from different sources. So for me, I'll start by saying that that doesn't really move the needle for me. But I will say this as far as Pitts goes and as far as, you know, what exactly the Giants might do at that spot. I think based on what they did in free agency, all options are now on the table. They have given themselves the flexibility to really draft the true best player available according to their draft board. And they should, they would have and should have been doing that anyway. But now they can do that and have no fear that they're going to open the season with some kind of massive hole, with the exception of what may happen on the offensive line. But that remains to be determined. Fair enough. Um Dan, how was your trip? We're, we'll probably get into the uh, whole trip thing during the podcast. We're just going to try to answer enough. the questions now. Yeah, We're going to do yeah. a podcast soon. We'll Appreciate dive in. it, though, Lucas. Yeah. Oh, but yeah thank, no thank you so much, Lucas. All right? Yep. All righty. You take care of yourself. All righty. Let's see who we're going to bring in here. I believe Mendy was next. So, Mendy, what is going on? You there, What's Mendy? Up, Mendy? Uh, no, Mendy. Mendy's not by the phone right now. Mendy's not Hello. by the phone. You there, Mendy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, hey. How are you guys doing? Dude, I'm sorry about that. Um, okay. So, Dan just said um, that the Giants, now I guess um, they go with the best player available. Um, and you said that they are very interested in Patrick Sertain. Um, but you have to assume that with the Dory Jackson now, I'm in the phone that that Patrick Sertain is not really an option. No? Uh, yeah, I would imagine. I think Dan was mainly referring to, and he could speak for himself whenever he uh, wants to get in here, but he was referring to just how there's a lot of rumors uh, this time of year right now, and it's not that they are actually really interested in them. It's just you're going to hear a lot of rumors. They're interested in player X. They're interested in player Y. Interested in Kyle Pitch, Patrick Sertan, Devonta Smith. So just not to fully believe every. That's where he was going with that. Because with the Dory Jackson, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that probably almost rules out number eleven. But I, I'll never say almost just because BPA is is a thing that I believe Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman would would look into. But yeah, Dan, did I hit that on the head? Yeah, you nailed it, Nick. I mean, I was just referring to what I've heard so far as far as players the Giants are super interested in, and it's been those three mostly that I've heard so far. Uh, I will say this. While it does make some sense that – it makes a lot of sense that the Giants wouldn't consider pursuing Patrick Sertan now, that they have Adoree and James Bradbury locked up. It's also important to note that Bradbury will – his contract will expire after the following season. So he has two more on the – or I'm sorry, he has two more including this one. And – Adoree as well, three-year deal. So I think that if they felt like Patrick Sertan was overwhelmingly the best player available, and I'm not saying they will feel that way. I don't think me or Nick will feel that way ultimately, so it seems unlikely. The Giants will, but who knows? I don't think they would completely rule it out because this league, it's becoming all about, in my mind at least, it's becoming about who can co- who can cover the best because the quarterbacks are getting rid of the football faster and faster every season. And the pass rush, I mean, if you can – you Besides can, for you Daniel can, Jones – Besides for Daniel Jones, at least last season, at least not not in Jason Garrett's system uh, in his first year. But, yeah, so to me, coverage is king. And so I'm as far as even just getting a little bit into that, and we'll do more on the podcast and maybe if somebody asks a deeper question. But as far as the Dory Jackson goes on paper, it's like, to me, this is probably my least favorite value. But at the same time, I look at it like the more you can keep putting ass- – the more assets you invest into coverage and players who can actually keep up in coverage, the better are you are, you better off you are because there's going to be injuries at the position. And if you have to go back to the idea of like having a Corey Ballantyne out there or even really a DeAndre Baker in his rookie season where he was lost out there, you're losing games. You just have no shot with those guys out there in coverage. And there's few and far in between guys who can hold up in coverage. So – for yeah. me, I, again, I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I agree with you. It seems very unlikely at this point. Yeah, and I think that's fair, too, just because, I mean, even this season, the defense was good, but we saw a bunch of Isaac Yadam out there, a bunch of Ryan Lewis out there. Those guys were not ideal. I mean, Yadam ended up getting benched like twice this season for the likes of other guys who ended up being liabilities on what was a pretty sound defense as well. I got you. Um, so I have a quick draft question. Um, if the Giants decide to go pass rush, um, at number 11. Besides for Rousseau, I think his name is, um, from Miami. Is there, like, um, a player there, um, in that range that's, um, that's not a reach? 
Honestly, for me, I, I view Rousseau as somewhat of a reach even at 11, especially for the New York Giants right now. I mean, we haven't seen him on the field in over a year because he opted out of the season. And a lot of his production was against ACC guards when he was kicked inside on like third and long situations. And I, I think a lot of these edge guys are going to end up being somewhat reaches for that 11th pick. That's why I'm somewhat open to trading back. Although I think Rashawn Slater is somebody who the offensive lineman from Northwestern is somebody that I'm really intrigued with, which I'm sure you're going to be hearing his name a lot uh, throughout this podcast. Uh, just in the coming months. But uh, I like Jalen Phillips. I like Aziz Ojolari, the kid from Miami and the kid from Georgia, respectively. But it's still, like, 11 might still be, quote-unquote, a reach in a lot of people's minds. But I- I'm not going to fully rule them out even at pick 11. I, I got you. I, I, I mean, do you guys think on that Kyler Fackrell is going to be back um, at, like, a cheap deal or something? Because right now the pass rush, I mean – it's pretty it's pretty bad if we're being real. Yeah, I would like him to come back, but the Giants signed Ryan Anderson, the former second round pick from uh Washington last year. He he went to the University of Alabama, but obviously ended up going to Washington football team. I, I it's it's negligible. It's not a lot of money. It's like maybe slightly more than one million, but I don't have the contract details uh in front of me. I, I think for Ryan Anderson, and we'll break him down on a on a future podcast, but I believe he's gonna be an upgrade over Kyler Fackrell in terms of being a run defender, but probably a slight downgrade as a pass rusher and as somebody who can drop into the boundary coverage and do those kind of assignments. At least that's my take. I mean I watched a bunch of his film this morning after the Giants signed him and a lot of his production is unblocked and not really the impressive type of production where he's beating one-on-one tackles and using a bunch of awesome pass rushing moves, although I do believe he has a nice pop in his hands. But uh, since the Giants went out and signed Ryan Anderson, they brought in Ifedio Denigbo, I, I, Kyler Fackrell, he might not be back, honestly. Yeah, and I think for me, I would kind of, kind of tend yeah. to agree with that, that Anderson may as well just fit that Kyler Fackrell role. Not necessarily exactly the same player, but in the sense of where they're allocating that that money to but I will say this about Anderson and I know it hasn't exactly shown up so far in his NFL career he was a prospect who was incredibly intriguing coming out of Bama because the the idea with him is there was incredible amount of untapped potential injuries have obviously been a concern there but if they can get lucky the Giants here and get a healthy season out of him in a new system playing you know with uh, obviously Joe Judge has the Alabama ties obviously this Giants system is a lot different than the one he played in with Washington, I think there's a chance they can get some breakout kind of production on him. And I'm not saying I'm thinking he's going to become the next like Leonard Floyd to the Rams last year type of impact. No, but I think he can give the Giants more as a pass rusher, in my mind at least, than Fackrell did. I got you. Yeah, um, Maddie. I want Maddie. to say one thing, though. Yeah. Oh, what's up? I mean, is that I, I know that people are giving Gettleman a ton of credit, right? Um, but I want to say one thing. Back-to-back years, right? And it and it seems like um the Giants are doing well in free agency. Like that's the Joe Judge effect, right? Because you don't go from Nate Solder, Omame, Bethea, I mean all these guys to all of a sudden Adoree Jackson, Kenny G, Martinez. You know, so like even though we are getting all these guys and they are good moves, right? Like, I don't believe that this is even 50-50 I'm with Gettleman. Maybe I'm think, crazy because I think no, he's, I he's been so bad. But, like, I don't think he's deserving. Like, oh, my God, it's, uh, um, he's becoming I'm a good GM and everything like that. When, it, when in my mind, it's Joe Judge. Yeah. And, it's um, a, yeah. For me, Mendy, it's a collective issue it's not just Dave Gettleman it's not just Joe Judge it's not even just both of those guys it's the entire organization it's the players we've seen even obviously money talks like first let's lay that out there but we've seen guys like Logan Ryan who are really respected in the league go out go go to bat for someone like Adoree Jackson somebody played with in Tennessee and obviously commands a lot of respect Logan Ryan so a lot of players around the league kind of hear from these well-respected veterans who have championship pedigree and like, Hey, this is a class organization, first class organization, come on board. And I think that speaks volumes as well. So I just think it's more of a collective effort. It definitely shouldn't just fall at the feet of Dave Gettleman. I have a little bit of a different take on this as well. I would say Mindy, first of all, I want to say that there has been a little bit too much for my liking celebration going on with Giants Twitter right now as far as agency goes. Let's be honest, guys. We can celebrate when the team wins games. That's the time to celebrate. And ultimately, you win in the NFL via the draft, and you win in the NFL via the quarterback position. These are still question marks for the Giants, but 
obviously you're excited about free agency. I don't really think all the recruiting stuff means as much as people do. I think Adoree Jackson got paid a lot of money to come play corner for the Giants, a whole lot of money. And I think Kenny Galladay was, got basically the only offer for four years in that four-year 70-plus million range. All the other teams, what we heard was they want to do a one-year prove-it deal with him. So I don't really see too much winning there. I do like the moves, and I like what they're doing. And I, like I said, I always was on board with them being aggressive with their cap situation. They had a super healthy 2022 cap situation, a super healthy 2023 cap situation. It would have been stupid to not dip into those years with a quarterback on a rookie contract. They're going all in, and what they've done is they've built a better roster on paper than they had in 2016 after their free agent spending spree when they went on to win 10 games and really had a good chance to win that playoff game if not for some unfortunate drop. So I like all that, but the celebrations for me will come via the draft and – that's kind of just how I am there. The draft is still the lifeblood of every team. Fantasy is nice, and they've done a good job fixing some holes. But, again, I, I don't know if I'm giving too much credit to the recruiting as other people are. I think money talks, ultimately. Dory Jackson got paid a lot of money to come to the Giants. Yes, that's true. Mandy, thank you very much, my man. Thank you so much, man. Have a good one. You too. All righty, let's bring in David. Uh, David. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm chilling, bro. How about yourself? Good. Uh, so uh, Ryan Anderson's contract, I believe, was a vet minimum deal, which is a couple hundred thousand guaranteed. So uh, I don't think the money, his contract's going to keep anyone else from coming yeah. <laughs> uh, if they were going to add someone like Fackrell back. But um, I, I did want to make one comment about the free agency versus the draft. You know, you hear that a lot that, you know, teams are built through the draft. And that's generally true. But I, w- I would add that the Giants don't win the 2007 Super Bowl that they won without their 2005 free agency class. Uh, three core pieces were added to that group. And, the, you know, so the... the it There's no doubt about it. Necessarily... I don't want to underplay that. I don't want to underplay that, David. I'm Not to cut you off, I'll let you jump back in a second. I don't want to underplay that. And I think that... Ultimately, if you're going the route the Giants have gone, this free agency and the free agency before this one, which is making sure that this big time, these big time investments are going to players, either A, coming off their rookie deal or damn near close, and B, with no major injuries, you're doing well. You're essentially just kind of ultimately in a sense that you drafted those players. You didn't get their rookie deal or the rookie production, but you're getting them right away after. So it's all good. I, I like, yeah. I love what they did in free agency. This is exactly the type of free agency I wanted. I would say it's pretty close to a near perfect free agency for the giants i just want to make sure that before we start celebrating things the giants are actually winning football games um because it seems like it's a little early <laughs> celebration <laughs> yeah i'd rather you know be optimistic you know so <laughs> sure, i get it i'm trying to be as optimistic as i can and I, like i said i love the free agency and i think they're really like i said i i'm i i said it before and i stand by it they have a better they're in better position to win football games this year than they were even in 2016 when they won 10 games yeah, I mean, I, I also like some of the depth that they added. It seems like they're they're a much deeper team, even if you, for sure, you know. So that that's important. I, I did want to move on to the draft. You know, I doubt that Slater is actually going to be there when the Giants pick. Um, it seems like he's rising in a lot of people's evaluations. Um, so the next guy that I wanted to think about was Vera Tucker. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to evaluate his game at all and how he would fit if the Giants were to go offensive line. And where do you think, you know, he would go? And is he a top 15 pick? I think he he could be, David, to be honest. I think when it's all said and done, he's probably going to fall around that 20 range. But he's somebody that I feel like fits a – really big check mark for Joe Judge and his coaching staff, and that's somebody who's versatile. Because I think Elijah Vera Tucker, for everything I've seen from him, he's going to be a probably a solid to good tackle. But if all else fails, you can kick him inside, and he's going to be a good guard. And I, I don't think he necessarily like doesn't have the foot speed to, to be out on an island and kick out into space and do all of those types of things. I, I, from what I saw, and I watched him a little while ago, I liked his film uh, from coming out of USC for every, anybody who doesn't know. So I do think we may start hearing his name a little bit more as the months and the weeks now get closer to the draft. Yeah, and the other thing I'm noticing, you know, I, I don't know how accurate these must drafts that you see that the media do, but it seems like the, the kid from Georgia is definitely going, you know, from in the 10 to 15 range. Uh, and, you know, when 
when the, the national mock draft guys are doing stuff. So he may be rising on the boards as well. So, you know, I'm definitely in favor. I'm generally in favor of trading down, um, you know, and I'd be happy with getting either one of those players, you know, say at like 15 or something. If we were, you know, tr- say we were to trade down with the Patriots, if they were trading up to get a quarterback, um, which could be possible. Maybe we trade down with the Patriots if they're trying to get Mac Jones and pick up a, an extra second round pick and get one of those second second round receivers at some cornerback or linebacker depth uh, and go offensive line or edge in, as well in some of those picks. So and I think trading down is definitely more open now before they, I think they were going to be desperate for a wide receiver, but maybe judge can lean on Gettleman to actually try something different this time and, and trade down. Cause I think they, there's more value in the edge class and in the offensive line class of 15 unless Slater's on the board, but I don't see him being lasting to 11. Yeah. I, I think, I think the offensive line class is kind of fascinating because there's a lot of guys a little bit later that are probably going to be around in the, in the day two range that have a lot of upside. Some of them haven't played football in a while. Guys like Walker Little who have dealt with injuries, the kid from Stanford. You have Notre Dame guys like Liam Eichenberg, who I feel like is a name that you can pay attention to. Samuel Cosme, Jackson Carmen, the kid from Clemson, obviously Alex Leonardwood from Alabama. Uh, another player that I feel like could have a lot of upside for that second round pick. And there's interior guys too, like Aaron Banks, Wyatt Davis, kid from Ohio State. Aaron Banks is the kid from Notre Dame who could come in and compete with Lemieux and Hernandez. So uh, there, there is a, a solid amount of depth. At- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed the offensive line but it just depends on like what kind of player you want to want to add although i do like some of these edge guys like boogie basham the kid from wake forest quincy roche the kid from miami there's thought out of them as well i'll say this too david uh, your scenario while it would be very interesting and i would like it a lot the idea of the patriots trading up and dave gettleman being the trade partner to move down <laughs> seems so unbelievably unrealistic to me but maybe maybe in 2021 maybe that's the year that Hey, the Patriots have never spent in free agency like they did this year either. So, exactly. <laughs> so you never know. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Yourself. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. 
Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All righty, who do we got? We have Danny Boyano. Is he here? Danny, you here? Danny, you there? Danny. I just talked to Danny a few days ago on, on Twitter. He DM'd me. Danny, you yeah. there, bud? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yep. we got you, Danny. All right. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for man. joining us. Happy, yeah, it's to, good. happy it's, to have you on here. Yeah, it's great to talk with you. have been listening to you guys for almost a year now. I love it. Love you. Awesome. Love what you guys are doing. So it's great to chat with you. And uh, hey, so so Nick, I'm a I'm an army dog. I hope I hope you don't hold oh. it against me. No, I not at all, man. Thank I you. Don't for your... ho- thank you for your service. Thanks, man. No, I'm not. I'm not one of the Marines who's like, oh yeah, I'm bad. like I mean, like nice little jabs here and there are all fun and games. But at the end of the day, you know, you're still doing your your part. For sure. Plus, I'm a Paisan, 100% Italian. Oh, see, I'm not even 100%, so you even got a little bit on me there. One of my, there one of my grandfathers wasn't, wasn't Italian. Everybody else in my family is, though. Cool. Um, and then, uh, Nick, my brother lives – I'm sorry, uh, both you guys. My brother lives down in Voorhees, so we, we grew up in Connecticut, but he, he relocated down to Voorhees a bunch of years ago. Voorhees is one of those places in Jersey I know absolutely nothing about. I would agree with that statement. I've so, never heard of it. So fun fact, Logan Ryan's from there. He went to high school there. Yeah, okay, that, that is a fun fact. Is it like yeah. by the Jersey Shore, or where is it? No, it's like uh, 40 minutes east of Philly, like east okay. of Cherry Hill, like right in there. Okay. But anyway, so back to the Giants. Um, I'm just really hoping they go offensive line with either the first pick or the second pick in the draft. Like, I love the the weapons that we acquired, but, man, we got to address the O-line. It's just not going to be pretty if if uh, there's all that pressure again this year. So I'm, I'm really hoping that in addition to maybe picking up another low-cost free agent between now and the draft, if they can go number 11 or number 42 or, or do a trade and get something in there, I just really think that's super important. I was wondering what, what you guys thought about that. Yeah, you, know, you know with me, Danny, you're barking up the right tree there because I'm obviously with you. I think that right now, if you ask me what's the one thing that could hold back this team, it would be the offensive line. And it's not just a matter of starters right now because you can sit there and you can say – Will Hernandez can be an average starter at right guard. Shane Lemieux can take a major jump. Matt Parrott can take a major jump. Gates and Thomas can build on what they showed, and it could be a good offensive line. But that's a lot of coulds. There's a lot of maybes in there. So it's not really just the starters for me. It's the depth. It's kind of that bullpen theory that I've gone over a bunch of times that I truly believe in. How the offensive line is really like the bullpen in baseball. You just keep. You want to just keep adding talent, keep adding bodies to it. You can never have enough depth. You never have enough talent. You can never have enough competition. And so – I agree with you. I really think it's a top priority for me. And I think there's going to be valuable prospects that can be really, truly argued as the best player available, both at 11 and 42 overall. Or, if, like you said, they make some trades to try to get into a different draft position. So I, I'm interested to hear what Nick says, but I'm definitely on board with this. No, I'm 100% on board as well. I mean, offensive line, that's that could be the Achilles heel to this offense that just added an explosive weapon who is John Ross. We, I don't have – you don't have a huge amount of hope for him, but he could be a piece that has a good role on this team. And then obviously Kenny Galladay, and we'll see what happens with Kyle Rudolph. But it, you need to protect Daniel Jones. It's going to come down to that, and there's going to be guys available that can really help um, – help this team do that yeah sounds good well hopefully they uh they they you know they they've solved the problem it's been a problem for so long hopefully they can improve upon you know that bit of improvement we saw last year that would i think go really far for uh for helping out the team absolutely dan hey my paisan brother you be well all right yeah thanks for your time guys have, have fun and uh come on out to sequoia king's canyon we'll go hiking Oh, okay. That sounds like fun. Yeah, All definitely. Right. That that's a lock, Danny. Next time I'm I'm up there, it's a lock. Alrighty, we got Ray Ready jumping in. Ray, what's up? Hey guys. Hey, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Long time listener, first you know what I mean interaction or whatever have you. Um, I just had a short question. Um, wanted to pick you guys' brains. What do you guys feel would be like the optimal situation for the offensive line um, game one of the 2021 season? See, I, I like this question, to be honest. And I wonder if Dan and I will agree. For me, it's that in training camp, 
And if there is a preseason, which I'm imagining there might be some something of a preseason, Matt Parrott really takes a lot of steps forward, and you would have him on the right side. And then if the Giants go with someone like Rashawn Slater, he would slide into guard. You would try Parrott at guard first and have Slater get used to the NFL speed. Or you would have Parrott play tackle first, have Slater play guard, and then Nick Gates – and then have that same battle in camp with Hernandez and Lemieux for the left guard position, and then obviously Andrew Thomas on the left side. What about you, Dan? Yeah, it's interesting, Greg. First of all, thanks for joining in. Glad to have you on. Happy to get more and more people who have listeners or listeners to the show or fans of our work, you know, written, Twitter, whatever it may be, on the on this show because it's awesome to hear from you guys. But I'll say this: my ideal situation would be similar to Nick's, but a little bit different. Mine would probably be. And I know it's going to sound a little crazy to some fans, but mine would probably be to sit there at 11 and take Rashawn Slater. I still love the idea of Slater. And I know it's going to add a lot of, you know, people. it's going to make a lot of people kind of like, what the hell is going on? I thought they were going to put Matt Parrott at right tackle. and But I think you could put Slater right in there day one at right guard, and you get a just massive upgrade on your line. Or you put him in at right tackle, you keep Hernandez at guard, you use Parrott, who remember, by the way, they have high upside for, but was a late third-round pick. That's a developmental prospect. Because when you watch Slater, the more I've started to see Slater, I think I'm starting to get a lot of Tristan Wirfs vibes, just from the athleticism, of, sorry, the athleticism standpoint. If you put mm-hmm. alignment on the line who's that athletic, it's going to give them so many more options for Saquon Barkley on the outside run game and in the screen passing game, something that, again, has not been utilized well with Barkley since he got here. So just putting that kind of athleticism on the line to me presents a potential massive upgrade. But I will say this, and David brought this up earlier, who called in a little bit earlier, there are going to be options for them at 41 too. There are going to be some really good offensive line options there. So I think ideally for me, my ideal situation is use one of those first two picks on the offensive line. Nice, nice. And, and um, if I could just squeeze in a follow-up question in regards to the offensive line, like uh, what what type of uh, you know schemes do you think that uh, you know Joe Judge and the offensive line coaches are going to – be running for the the offense with with all of these weapons and of course Saquon coming back like what would be you know our offensive strength do you think would you know be the best potent offense I mean I think for me I think it's going to be similar to what we saw last year in terms of running the football there's going to be a lot of duo blocking some inside zone but a lot of duo and inside zone they're they're very very similar but a lot of counter tray which was kind of their base run play. That's where you pull the backside guards, you pull the H back from the backside, you have the backside guard kick the end man on the line of scrimmage who's unblocked out, and you have the play side tackle block down on usually a four-eye or a three technique to help pave a way, and then that H back kind of comes in and picks up the next most dangerous man, which is usually that play side linebacker. And then I really think Saquon Barkley, this is going to kind of like get away from his some he kind of has a little bit you could say vision issues sometimes a little bit indecisive but with power gap with that style of football it really kind of takes away the one where there's one defined hole you find the hole and you hit it and you accelerate I think that's going to really help Saquon Barkley so I think those are going to be the plays that we're going to see it's similar to the same running scheme that we saw in 2020. Yeah I think a lot of the things you've seen not only what not not only will they go back to them because they work but also because you can see they're starting to add pieces that they think will help with those specific plays, like for example, the bread and butter running play Nick went over. Well, they added Kyle Rudolph, who can help as that backside blocking H back, or uh, Connor Gillespie. I can never pronounce this guy's name right. Nick, give me a pronunciation on the fullback. Calling Gillespie. Gillespie. I keep saying Gillespie for some reason, like an idiot. But these these pieces they're adding, I think, are for a reason. It's because they know now going into year two what they want to do in the run game. They know now what they want to do from a blocking standpoint, and they're looking for the right guys to kind of fit in there. So I think what Nick's saying is right. They're going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot more of what worked in that second half of the season, the run game. But you're going to have better personnel to do it, hopefully, especially if they add a body to the O line. Nice, nice. Uh, thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm still going to be listening, but you guys have a good one. You too, man. All right. Thank you so much. Right. All righty. Let's see who we got next. Already, it looks like Dominic is next. Let's bring him in. Dom, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, hey. I'd like to first uh, to Dan that I I don't agree. I do think that we have a lot a lot to be excited for. I'm thrilled. No, about hold it. on, hold on. I do think there's a lot to be excited for. That's not. Let's not. Let's make sure we get that clear. I first of all said there. This is the most talented team they've had on paper. 
since that 2016 season. And I think this is a better team on paper than that 2016 season. And they won 10 games and probably should have won a playoff game. So there is a lot to be excited for. I just want to make sure the victory laps are taken after the win. That's all. Well, of course. I just I'm, – I'm excited because I don't think that any – I think that 90% of rookie wide receivers are not very good in year one. And we know how, we know how important – a number one wide receiver was for us, so that at least we we have that box checked, Agreed. and at least with whoever we take in in the first round, unless it's an edge, actually we 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 know it could help something else. And I, and also once once they signed Holiday, I I was pivoting towards them having to take either Farley or Certain, which I was happy with. But now it's like wow, we don't even have to like do that. Now we can go and find yep. another another like problem. It's just like in life, if there's the, if there's a problem, oh it's fixed. Okay, good. Now, my question to you guys is, because we know the two biggest question marks besides the quarterback, which we can't change, but I am a big fan of Jones, but that's not being changed now, is pass rush and blocking on the O-line. Would it, be, would it be absurd? Would it be too much overkill? I know how big a fan you are of the O-line, Dan, to go offensive tackle first round, assuming, assuming that Slater is there, and then second round take a guy like the guy from Oklahoma, Creed, forgot his last name. Humphrey, I think it is. Yeah. Or, or Wyatt Davis. Take a combination. Take a tackle and a guard the first two rounds, and then you have either two of the guys you currently have, two of the young guys you have now, besides Gates and Thomas, or those two guys sitting on the bench next year, and you have a real competition among seven guys. Is that too much? I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying, I like I said, I don't ever think that there's too much on the offensive line. But I will say there is an opportunity cost to be factored in with any of these decisions, especially if you're going to overload a position, kind of like the Giants did at first with IDL. And, you know, to some extent they're now doing with corner, which I do like, by the way. Now, as far as would they do that now, I think they're not going to for a multitude of reasons. I think, one, they want to let players like Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, Andrew Thomas, and potentially Matt Parrott grow into these positions. I think, at worst, they feel like they can get a serviceable starter out of Shane Lemieux, and I think with Parrott, they're not so sure. I think they feel like, this would be my guess, they feel like he's a hitter, he's more hit or miss, but his ceiling is really high that they don't want to give up on it just yet. So with that said, I don't think it would be absurd to do that, but I also think that there's going to be too much value at other key positions, especially edge rusher. I think it's clear the Giants are going to add, add an edge rusher with one of these first two picks, at least in my opinion. Or on the other side, they could add someone like Parsons who they feel can help them with their pass rush in different ways. Maybe not so much as that true or quote-unquote edge rusher. But remember, in this system, in this Patrick Graham system, it's not really the same. You're not, you're not, there's aren't, edge rusher is a different position in this system than it really is in any other system. And so I feel like they feel like they can get pressure from a lot of different ways. And someone like Mika Parsons can generate pressure, not just up the A-gap. He, can, he came into Penn State as an edge rusher, so he has the skill set to also help there as well, especially in a unique system like Patrick Graham. So well, that's a- to me, I feel like they will address edge with one of the first two spots, and therefore they wouldn't go to alignment. But again, if you're asking me, and I'll see what Nick says, I'm kind of of the belief that you can really never have too much talent, depth, and competition on the offensive line. I would agree with that as well. There's really no need to uh, to expound upon it. But, so, but we both wouldn't go with two of, two of them in the first three picks, though. You do go one. I think it just depends on the value. Say if for whatever yeah. reason Rashawn Val or Rashawn Slater ends up falling, and then someone ridiculous, uh, say Creed Humphrey, like like you kind of said, f- fell to the Giants in the mid forties. I mean, that's real value right there for Creed Humphrey, who I believe is probably going to go before that. So I, in that scenario, yeah, I would be open to bringing in Slater and Creed Humphrey. Well, do, you, do you think it's more important to get a guard or to get to get a tackle? Because if you could get a combination of a Parsons at eleven and then you get either a Wyatt Davis or, or Humphrey at 42, then you at least have you at least have a plan in case, case Hernandez or Lemieux stink, but you don't really have a plan if Pert stinks unless they feel that Soldier can be serviceable enough. I think they might feel that Soldier well, – I think they don't want to put Soldier out there, but they did want to bring him back, if not just for a veteran presence, but to also kind of ensure that just in case something happens to Matt Parrott or Andrew Thomas, if he goes down, you have somebody who has meaningful NFL snaps under his belt. But, I mean, what we saw from Soldier in 2019 was concerning, albeit he was playing through an injury. 
uh, that that uh, wasn't really reported on too much, supposedly. But I, I mean, for me, I, I think just bringing in the best player, best offensive lineman, just in general, Dominic, is what I would be looking for. I wouldn't uh, focus too much on tackle or guard. I know Joe Judge loves the versatility, and he's preached about that. Somebody who can play both spots, and that's why Dan and I kind of talk a lot about Rashawn Slater. But we also uh, we had a previous uh, person who was on this call. I believe it was David talked about Elijah Varick Tucker and he's somebody else who kind of fits that same mold of a versatile lineman who could probably execute guard and tackle at a high level in the NFL. So for me, it really would just all depend on the player, not so much the position. Yeah. yeah and I'll, stand, I'll stand by what Nick said real quick. Um, it is always best player available for me in the draft. Now you want to make sure the best player available is also at a position of scarcity and importance. For example, IDL, you don't just take an IDL because he's your best player available. You have to understand that that position is less valuable if he's not rushing the passer and things of that nature. So obviously BPA has its limitations, but I do agree with Nick. That's the general focus, I think, for every pick. But you, but do you guys still think that – so you, you, you would do two if it were like an absolute amazing scenario like a, like a, like a, a Slater and a – Yeah, like say Seawall sea wall falls to 11. You take Seawall. You don't let him sit. You don't How about if Slater falls? And then if Slater, I mean, Slater to me, I, I don't feel like he's on that same level upside wise, but honestly, he's pretty close. He's a different kind of lineman. And again, so I really feel like Slater and Parsons are both there. Who are you taking? Uh, that, that's a tough call. I'm not going to make that decision right now. I'll wait till I have more information and do more research on both players, to be honest with you. I'm sure Nick feels the yeah. same way about that. Yeah, no, I do. But Don, we got to get a couple more All people right. in here. So thanks for the call, bro. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so. for jumping on, Dom. All right, we want to get a couple more in here, and I know Mike's been waiting patiently, so let's bring Mike in. Mike, what's up? How you doing, guys? How's everything going? What's yeah, up, no, Mike? We're doing well. Not my Dan. You stole my uh, thunder a little bit on that last segment there that you were you were going on with. So I've actually uh, I've been looking at just the way the Giants organization has operated for years, and you can go back to what Judge had said about versatility. And I've been I've actually been on the Slater train since like the first week in February, uh, even before they even at Galladay. I just felt like it was the right move for them to make. I thought that even at receiver, it's very deep in the draft that they could get a quality, you know, big X receiver like Nico Collins in the second or third round to kind of develop. And they could really focus more on the offensive line. Obviously now with all the love that Slater has gotten, uh, he's starting to move himself up uh, draft board. So I don't expect him to be there. Uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head with Patrick Graham's scheme. I think Parsons is going to be a, a slam dunk pick. I'd prefer a trade down. We all probably would, but the Giants' history, especially with Gettleman, is I don't expect it. So I think Parsons probably being the pick at 11 is the right decision um, if, if Slater's already off the board. But I do believe that if both are on the board, uh, that the Giants will end up taking Slater over Parsons just because of the versatility of right tackle, right guard. And it gives them some some you know some insurance in case Pert doesn't develop. They have the options to kind of move guys around. And I think realistically, you know, I think a center is a is a player they would aim for in the second or third round, more so than a guard, because I think Gates is better suited to play right guard. I know that they want to give him time at center and he did well there, but I think he fits better at, at right guard and than he would at center. And I think getting a, a quality center would really solidify the line and have that versatility where they can move those guys in and out. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack there, Michael. So I'll start with what you mentioned a little bit earlier. I actually don't think the Giants will take Rashawn Slater in this draft. I was speaking of what I would do if I were in charge, not what I think they will do. To me, it seems at least not fairly obvious, but seemingly likely I'll term it as that the Giants are kind of filling this thing out position by position and trying to make sure they can give themselves the best chance to have the least holes heading into this 2020, uh, 2021 season. I don't necessarily think that's a bad option, but it's not necessarily the option I would do. Like I said, I like Slater a lot and I like the idea of offensive line a lot, but to me, I feel like they're going to try to fill that edge or that inside linebacker position if they can with a prospect at 11. So to me, it seems more likely that as long as it checks out with with Parsons off the field, and I think having Spencer as one of the Giants coaches helps a lot in that regard. And from everything I've heard from my people who are close to the Penn State football team, he's a fine kid that's kind of all BS, that off-the-field stuff. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm not so sold on them being super interested in an offensive lineman at 11. Not, not to say that I wouldn't. And then, I'm sorry, what was the second part of that, Michael? 
Well, just the fact that, you know, if they if they do go with Parsons, because I don't believe Slater is going to be on the board. I think he's going to okay. someone's going to take him before the he gets to 11 uh, regardless. Uh, but I do think that if Parsons is the pick, I could easily see them taking a center in the second or third round and feeling comfortable knowing that Gates has oh, right. the versatility to play multiple positions along the line that they could move him to right guard. Um, I was even questioning whether or not they would move Gates to right guard and go after a veteran center after they cut Zeitler, just based on the fact from asset allocation, you can get a quality center for less money than you would have to pay a guard, uh, judging by some of the veterans that have gotten released and gotten signed. I thought they may go in that direction to try to fill out the line, which they didn't. Um, so I could definitely see center being in play probably somewhere in the third, likely the third round if there's a quality guy available. So I have a couple of things here that I want to briefly touch on and then hear Nick's point of view on because we may be different in this regard. I actually think the best option for the Giants is to keep Gates at center. What he showed in that first year at center to me was really promising, and I would not want to move him off that spot. And I actually think, and I know Nick would probably agree with this part, but he'll probably do a better job of explaining it, that Gates is actually a much better fit at center than right right or left guard. Now, I also will say this. I don't necessarily agree with your point there. I actually think it's easier to find quality guards in the NFL than it is to find quality centers. You look at the center market every year, and it's pretty ugly. You find some guys that sign ultimately, and you think they're going to be good, and they end up being terrible. I know the Jets have gone through this process a lot as a franchise over the last few offseasons. The Giants went through this process a lot until they landed on Gates. So to me, it's actually a little bit harder to find the quality centers than guards. So I'm curious your thoughts on both of those things, Nick. No, I actually end up uh, agreeing with you. I think uh, a quality center is is just more difficult to find, uh, like you said. And I would want to keep Gates there because he did show a lot of signs of progression. And I also I, I would like to see his, his bucket step and the way he kind of gets out in space and pulls uh, just because we haven't seen it a lot at guard because when he played that in Pat Shermer's scheme, it was much more of a heavy inside zone, zone blocking scheme where there wasn't as many pulls. We expect a lot of pulls again in this Jason Garrett scheme. Uh, I would like to see him be able to execute that. And I know as a center, he does a really good job kind of using his angles and blocking to his shade, a shaded guy or even a guy who is nose directly on top of him. I've already seen him do that. And I just have no reason to believe that he's not going to continue to grow in that role. So I don't really want to move him out of it. But that's where I'm at, Mike. I want to take one more, okay? So, Thanks, guys. Yeah, Mike, you take care, all right? You too. Thanks for joining us, Mike. All righty. So the last person is going to be Notorious V.I.G. What's going on, Notorious? You there? Nope. 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 Notorious. You there? Hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, what's up? You guys hear me? I got I'm in you. The car. Is, I'm in the car. Is it too loud? No, no, you're good. It's doable. Right, perfect. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. Love all your stuff. Uh, really, really, really great. Really great. Um, thought. I'm wondering whether we can wait until the second or third round for the offensive line. Just hear me out. So you get Galladay, right? He's, he's a guy that, you know, intermediate, deep, you know, he, he excels, right? You get a guy like Shepard, more short intermediate. You've got Ross, deep. You've got Slayton, deep and intermediate. You know, and they and they and they create you know separation or they're contested catch guys, right? I mean, they could win in different ways. So you put all these guys together. There's a lot of conflict for the defense. Is the line good enough with these weapons where you don't have to put such draft capital again in the line? For me, I would say it's still a projection, and that's kind of what gives us all this this sense of uncomfortability is because it is still a projection because you you are relying on the best from Matt Parrott, somebody who's still inexperienced, Shane Lemieux, somebody who struggled in pass protection, and then Will Hernandez, somebody who fell out of favor last year in the with Shane Lemieux taking his job. And Shane Lemieux, as we said, in pass protection was was not what you really want, especially getting interior pressure on Daniel Jones. I mean, that's not great. And that's not even kind of bringing up Andrew Thomas, who's, only, who's going into his second year, who showed a lot of promise late in the season last year, but could still take a sophomore slump. That could happen. I don't think it will because I know he's probably busting his butt and working his craft. But we are relying on a lot of 
uncertainty right now. But that doesn't mean we have to go offensive line at 11. I kind of see what you're also saying, Notorious. You know, it doesn't mean you're happy, but I do believe that it has to be in heavy consideration. And I'll add this. I don't think that necessarily you should ever have to take any position in the draft at any point. Because when you start to do that, that's how you kill yourself. That's how you kill your franchise when you start drafting for need. But I'll say this as far as what you said. Will, can the Giants get to a point where the skill positions are so good that the offensive line doesn't matter? My answer is straight up no. It will. It's no now. It'll be no next week. It'll be no for the rest of time. I don't believe. Yeah, no, a, Dan, Dan I, I hear you. I, that's not I, I, what I meant to say. Is it good enough? I mean, do you have to have a Cowboys line with these weapons, right. or can you have a pretty good line? I mean, well, like, we, like I'll say, the choice I, between Slater. Maybe and Waddle or Pitts, right? right? One of these guys will fall. It's tough to pass on those guys, right? No, I think you're spot on, and I think again, if those guys are deemed the best prospect available, you take them there, and you don't you don't hesitate, you don't look back. And I agree with you. You don't need a Cowboys level, you know, Cowboys prime. It's not what it used to be. Not this current Cowboys, but that prime Cowboys level offensive line. But it sure as hell makes everything a lot easier, and everyone look a lot better. But even so, it's not like the Giants are even at some average point where they can get to that line. They're just hoping to get past being the 31st-ranked pass-blocking unit that they were last season. They're not really at the point where they're in this spot where they're like trying to get to some luxurious top-five line. They need to get to the point where they can be competent enough to not ruin everything, basically. Fair enough, fair enough. So I was watching, um, one last thought, I was watching uh, Old School the other night, and it happened to be right after one of your podcasts. And I think that you, Nick, need to debate Bobby and Justin because I just had this vision of Bobby having that Will Ferrell debate moment where he talks <laughs> analytics and passes out. <laughs> <laughs> if any of the four were to have that moment, I think it would be Bobby. Maybe Justin. <laughs> or maybe no. Justin. All right, guys. Thank you again. Take care of yourself. Yeah, thanks for joining us. That was awesome. Alrighty, everybody, that is all the time we have today. Please, everybody, tune in to all of our podcasts. Dan, when will we be recording next, my man? We will be recording this podcast either late tonight or tomorrow, and it's going to be a big-time free agency recap. I'm still a little bit jet-lagged. I'm still a little bit uh, worn down from a week away, but I'm going to try to grind it out, so we'll see where this goes. But thanks to everybody for joining us on this locker room. This is a lot of fun. We love doing these, so it's good to hear from you guys. Take care, everybody.